Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday, kind of an emergency edition of the Peristyle Podcast, but we've been talking with our guest, Coach Harvey Hyde, most Sundays after USC football games. Of course, the Trojans fall to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish 49-14 in South Bend, Indiana. I am still in Chicago, Illinois. Uh going to be traveling back later on so we're going to do kind of a you know on the road version of the peristyle podcast with coach harvey hyde get your thoughts lots of questions have come in if you have any questions podcast at uscfootball.com is our email you can call or you can text and we got a lot of those too uh, as you can imagine after and even during the game 424-254-9141 is our number that's 424 424- Two five four nine one four one four one. We are on iTunes, iTunes dot com slash Peristyle Podcast is where you can find the show. Also on Google Play and Studio, uh, Audio Boom, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Uh, lots of places you can find the show. Let your friends know about it. This is our tenth season covering the USC Trojans on the Peristyle Podcast, and uh, this one's going to be an interesting show for sure. A lot of thoughts that you have sent in, a lot of concerns, a lot of anger, a lot of outrage, and we're going to let Coach Harvey Hyde address all of that. Uh, you can follow the coach on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. What's up, Coach? How you doing? Good morning, Ryan, and uh, have a safe trip home. And for all of you that have traveled back east, if you're listening uh, in Chicago or whatever, as we always say, buckle up. Travel safely. We'll take you part of the way or all of the way. Ryan, uh, good morning to you. And, uh, yes, I've already received many texts and uh, emails indicating uh, people's thoughts on the game. But I thought if I could, Ryan, give me about a minute or two just to summarize where I think the state of the program is and the team is. And then we'll take all the questions because I don't want to take our time on just uh, without answering people's questions. Is that all right? That sounds good to me. And maybe before you do that, we'll thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. Uh, you can go to sctickets.com if you need tickets for anything. Big big road game coming up uh, at Arizona State next weekend and homecoming against Arizona. If you want to check out anything at uh, on the Coliseum, of course, uh, on the road, you can go to sctickets.com. Or if you want to go to like a theater, uh, see a play, take your wife, something like that. Uh, you can go to setickets.com. They'll help you out or call them at 1-800-888-7287. I actually hung out with the guy yesterday who got USC Notre Dame tickets through setickets.com. Now, they, they can't affect the result, but they can get you into the game. All right. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, I would uh, try to go there, too, if you're looking for World Series tickets, because I was talking with Kurt, and he does have them. So. Oh, uh, good. Okay. So if you're interested in going to the World Series, uh, please give Kurt a call. All right, Ryan, in looking at the game yesterday, uh got a lot of concerns. First of all, I've been a coach, and I've had to make a trip home after a tough loss. And it's not a fun uh, trip. Uh, normally you hope it's very short so you can get home and, and hide uh, as a coach and as a team. And you don't look forward to going to class the next day or meetings the next day to look at the film. Well, I think this is going to be one of the toughest trips home. 
at least I hope it is, that people care enough, uh, where you're embarrassed to go to the airport, you're embarrassed to come out of the locker room, you're embarrassed to get on the plane as a player and a coach, and ride home. And ladies and gentlemen, I've been in that situation, so I'm not talking like I haven't experienced this. But you know what to expect. You know what to expect when you arrive in L.A. and you, you're glad it's 3 or 4 in the morning and you go home to your apartment and no one can see you or ask you what happened. And you you don't really look forward to going to class on Monday and have people stare at you like to say, what happened? Uh, you, uh, the next game can't come fast enough. Uh, but, uh, again, you've got to really... Uh, Look into the program and see what is the state of this program. Who are you? And I, I am uh, concerned. First of all, it's a nationally televised game. It's a game that you represent the university, your football program on national television. You, uh, well, as everybody heard on television, Notre Dame had 85 recruits there, so it gives the recruits an opinion of programs and. Uh, techniques and success and comp competing and all of the things. So it was all of the above, an embarrassing loss, not only for the team, but for people, boosters, uh, students, you name it. Yet they're still 6-2, uh, and 4-1 in the Pac-12 conference. So you say, hey, uh, you know, we're out of the, the playoffs, definitely. Uh, you know, it was an elimination game, and it did eliminate us, but we still have hope. But again, you look at the program and you say you have hope, but now everybody else has hope that they could beat a team that was supposed to be in the playoffs. You take Arizona State, uh, who now is on a roll, winning their last two games and really playing well defensively, uh, beat Utah at Salt Lake 30-10, to and beat Washington the week before in Tempe, and that's exactly where the Trojans are going to Tempe at a 7.45 p.m. game. You can imagine that. After the travel and defeat to get yourself ready to go again, and you hope to play uh, for a Pac-12 championship. Then you've got Arizona, who's playing well, and beat Cal last night in overtime. Uh, you've got UCLA, who beat Oregon, and Colorado, who lost 28-0. to zip. The Washington State, that's what remains on your schedule. Now, as far as getting home and watching the tape, I wouldn't look forward to that either. I don't know if there's a reason to watch the tape. I might show them the Rose Bowl game from a year ago and say, this is who we really are. Let's try to get back to that. I don't know if any negative, more negative talk to them would do them any good. And my main concern is, Ryan and listeners, is USC is not getting any better. They are declining as a team. They are declining as individuals. They've lost who they are as far as being physical. And obviously that shows when you rush for 76 yards and you have 377 yards rushed against you. It's a part of the philosophy of the offense and defense, the way it's run. You know you're going to play a very athletic quarterback, and you don't have a plan at all how to stop it. And on offense, uh, I'm not quite sure what the system is that you're trying to attempt to run with the personnel you have. I've gone over that over and over and over. With that, let's get started. Yeah, that's I mean, a great uh, summary there, Coach. And I think a lot of the questions um, address some of the concerns that you have brought up, and we're going to do our best to get to all of them because you guys sent it a lot, obviously. Um, 
the uh, the getting better part is kind of concerning. Like just, and I, I think if you want to go to uscfootball.com, Dan Weber did a great column about last night, uh, you know, after the game last night, talking about uh, how do you get better, how do you fix problems when you don't know what those problems are, and it just seems like from talking to everyone. It's like business as usual, like, oh, we just got to do this. We just got to execute. And it's like, no, there's, there's major, there's bigger problems going on. So well, I think we'll get into all that when we get to. So why don't we go to a voicemail question? Uh, here you go. Hello, uh, Ryan. This is Marcus from the East Coast. Um, I turned the game off after, uh, after what, after they went up 21 to nothing. I, I couldn't watch this anymore. But my question for you, or perhaps the coach, is this. Are we ready to finally admit that this man and this staff simply are not competent enough to coach this team? Every time we think they're going to pull it out or they, they've turned the corner, we lay an egg. And I think the fans have had enough. I think we've seen enough of a sample size to know that Clay Helton simply is not the coach for this team. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on this. Uh, Perhaps the coach can weigh in. And uh, this is just terrible. Absolutely terrible. Barring some amazing comeback, uh, I, I really fear for the remainder of the season for this team. Anyway, fight on. Well, Marcus uh, from the East Coast, uh, I did not go to South Bend, so I sort of wished I could have turned it off too, but I couldn't. I had to watch it so I could uh, detail it uh, and uh, break it down and sort of report to you my feelings and evaluation on this game. As far as the coaching staff is concerned, I'll just give you a little bit of an indication of what Brian Kelly, Kelly did that last year, and I think you're all aware of this. He got a new offensive coordinator. He got a new defensive coordinator. He got a new special teams coordinator, and he got a new strength coach. Now, I'm not suggesting that for USC, but I know he was told 4-8, we're not going to stand for that again, and Coach Kelly, if you do, you're gone. So he felt he had to make a complete change in order to get a different philosophy and get to where they are currently right now. And this is the same group of players. They're not like a different group of players that Notre Dame has. And USC has the same group of players. It's not like they don't have the same group of players. So they have been able to take their personnel and put them in a position to be successful and utilize what they do and do well with Winbush. I mean, they're going to run the football, and you better stop it. And when you stop it, they are pretty good, and they're getting better. And when they get continue to get better, they're not bad in the passing game. So I don't know uh, if Clay Helton is at that situation with Lynn Swan. I know one thing about Lynn Swan. He's not happy about the situation. I mean, he's got people complaining about the Coliseum and the renovation of the Coliseum, and he certainly does not want to hear now the problems and people complaining about the football program on top of the renovation. So I don't know if he has a short temper or what his thoughts are, but he can't be happy. And when you're not happy and your boss isn't happy, then the donors aren't happy and then the development departments aren't happy. And there's a trickling effect. It comes down. As far as Clay Helton as an individual, I think he's a wonderful person. I really respect him and I really like him. But I'm at a point now when everyone is, and when you hear it, 
you know, next man up. Uh, we got to clean it up. We got to go back and work harder. Yeah, we know that. You do that every week. But the development of your team has not improved as far as performance and execution and communication, uh, self-confidence, morale. You can't help but think the morale is not really great right now. And uh, uh, the play of players and the personnel that is on the field and how teams have attacked certain areas of the personnel, why we have discussed that over and over and over on a podcast, yet you don't see much changes going on. So that immediately, with anybody that has any knowledge of the game of football, starts to question, are you at the same game we're at? And if you did make a change, we would understand why you made that change. And there haven't been those changes made. So I think that's where the question now comes up is uh, what's going on? Why is it going on? Why are we now declining in our abilities to represent USC? As I've said, I think they, and I've said this before, not just this week, I think they are a soft football team. They are not a physical football team. They are not prepared for that. They have not improved in the areas. I don't want to jump around, but their goal line offense, it's the same. They haven't changed it. They've been stopped the same way every single time. What is your philosophy? How do you expect to score when you're on the two-yard line? Whatever. So I think and I hope I've answered that question. I probably answered it as a politician. (laughs) I didn't tell you. But I'm trying to tell you what else can I say but, when you don't get better, and we see some of the same things over and over and over, what should we think? I think that's the best way to say it. And I think a good segue to that, Coach, and you're exactly right. Um, uh, this, so this is Eric from Rosemead. This is a text message question. He said, hey, Ryan and Coach Hyde, just finished watching the pathetic third and one play where everyone knew what was coming, uh, which you just mentioned. When is USC going to fire their offensive coordinator? I was watching the Oklahoma game. They went for two to take a seven-point lead and completed it successfully and made it look so easy. We can't even get one yard pathetic. USC's defense must still be on California time, 28 nothing at half. Something's got to change because it's embarrassing. Coach Hyde, break into practice and take over, please. What happened from last year to now? Thanks for talking me off the ledge uh, all season so far. Fight on, Eric and Rosemead. Well, you know, uh, what's happened, I don't know, as far as how can a team decline as far as not improving on things you weren't very good at. That's what you normally do. Here's a team that played Penn State in the Rose Bowl game to a great football game. Look where Penn State is right now. They're going to be probably number two in the country. They just blew out Michigan. And they've got Ohio State this weekend. So, you know, you you start to evaluate how can this decline so much and how others can get better when they have their quarterback and we have supposedly the Heisman Trophy front runner for the, uh, as Sam Darnold and we haven't even taken advantage or given him an opportunity to do who he is and be what he is. They're still snapping the football and Ryan, I started this in fall camp and last spring. The snaps are still off, and that's what caused the first fumble. He can't read a defense, so look, he's just worried about getting the snap. And nothing against Folly. I mean, I mean, he's got a guy in his nose that's going to smack him in the mouth, yet they never practice that in, in practice. You've heard me talk about that, so we'll just move on with that. 
But you know, you've got to you've got to be able to have an offense and where you're communicating what you can do and what you can't do. You mentioned Oklahoma. You take Baker uh, Mayfield. I mean, he he runs the football as much as he passes the football almost. I mean, he runs for scores and 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 he's wide open and they run a similar type of offense. But USC does not want to run Sam Darnold, which I don't blame him, then run an offense where you don't have to run your quarterback to be successful. And that's a two-back type of set where you have different type of play actions where they have to honor that and he can play action off of that. You have the, you have the material to do that with the stable of running backs you have. And, and then again, the receivers, are you trying to just keep them happy? But you don't give it a try. You give up on things too easily. In the goal line type of situation, what is your philosophy? Your philosophy, when you're on the one line, one yard line, they're one yard into your backfield before you hit the line of scrimmage when you run straight ahead and you're five or seven yards deep. How does that make sense? Run off tackle or run a stretch where a guy can stretch the football. And, and find the seam and get up there or get an eye and run a toss. A lot of you saw Oklahoma do that yesterday. I mean, gee whiz, it's not that difficult. Or play action pass or give an option where you can get into the end zone. But to run straight up the middle, be denied on the third and one, then miss a field goal, man, is that discouraging not to us. But how about your team? And what does your team think of the call? Now, that's where you start to get in trouble. But now they're saying, Coach, what are we doing? Why are we running that play? And then all of a sudden, you know, it's pointing the finger starts coming out. And uh, and people are saying, well, we did that three times against another team. We've done that before. Why would we do it again? The same mistake. So I think that's what everybody's really upset about. Yeah. Um, and you... you- I kind of, this is another question along the same lines. David Sacramento, he says, My biggest concern is I don't see any improvement or development of players on average, not only week to week, but from year to year. Too many guys look like they belong on a high school field still, not a big-time program like USC. We are small, weak, not physical, can't tackle, not fast. And it was obvious versus Notre Dame. It's unacceptable to have the quote-unquote athletes we have and yet get overmatched all over the field. It's time to hold the coaching staff accountable for lack of development and improvement. Uh, Clay Hilton is a nice and well-spoken man but is clearly over his skis leading a major program. Uh, l- learning on the job is not what USC should ever stand for. I like Clay. Uh, I, I think, I'm sorry. I think Clay still has a hall pass this year, but some serious changes uh, before uh, better be upcoming. We don't have any more lights to turn on this year. David Sacramento. And, and I, I think the point there from David, and you kind of talked about it too, but everyone we talked to after the game last night, Coach, it didn't seem like, and that's, you know, to Dan Weber's point in his article, it just didn't seem like they really realized, hey, things need to change. Like they said, we tackle in practice, which we don't see them tackle. He said, we're physical. We do this. We, they said, you know, we're getting better. T. Martin told me flat out that they're getting better every week, and it was just kind of baffling to hear talk like that. So I think the fans kind of understand. I don't think you do, but maybe get your thoughts on that because it just doesn't seem like, at least they're not telling us if they don't realize that this is not a team that's been getting better and improving. Uh, it's scary. It's scary when you hear that, but you say, what are you talking about? 
you played two halves of like you played the first half last weekend, and now we find out maybe Utah's not a very good football team. That would scare me to death. And to 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 try to cover up your incompetencies is the worst thing to do. It's better to admit it than to say, we're doing fine, we're getting better every week. How can you be getting better every week? Because obviously we all know they, are, they aren't. And when you supposedly have the best talent, at least this is what all the services say, and this is when you have the first selection of players, and you say we're taking this one over that one, and those guys are the ones lining up and beating you in some cases, that even makes it worse. And also the way you develop confidence in your opponents when they watch a game like that on television or the film, they say, hey, these guys aren't what we think they will. You know what? So, you know, I agree. It, it, it's, it's sort of scary when you hear that type of interview and even from the offensive coordinator saying we're getting better and better. It, it, it's like saying better at what? What are you doing better? Uh, they are a horrible tackling team. They're not physical, as you mentioned and our callers mentioned. Uh, uh, they are not one that uh, sticks with something. Uh, they jump around from one thing to the other. They they threw the stop route a thousand times, which is fine. They were getting yards off of it. But the give, running game they had just given up on. And uh, I, I don't see where the progress is as far as series. We've talked about series. We've talked about counters. We've talked about throwing the ball to the tight end. Uh, we've talked about uh, Sam Darnold predetermining his receivers. He predetermines every pass. He no longer reads the field, okay? When he threw that interception in the, in the cover two, he threw right into the double coverage where the safety came over and picked it off. There, there was no reading that the, the corner dropped back and didn't honor the tight end in the flat. They didn't read that at all. And, uh, you know, that starts to worry me when you're, when you're not really playing what you called uh, upgrade uh, college football and, and trying to be who you are. I, I, just, I just don't understand it. I can't figure it out. Uh, you know, how many years have we been talking about no draws or screens or they tried one screen, but... You know, I mean, the guy's scrambling his whole life. The offensive line is, is, there's a breakdown almost every pass play as far as, and I'm very disappointed on the play of the left tackle. Very inconsistent. I mean, really, uh, the tight ends really aren't blockers. Uh, so why pretend that they are? I mean, uh, there's just, there's just so many things that need to be corrected. And then we're just talking about the offensive side. The defensive side is, about the same as far yeah. as the way they play. You get no pressure off the edges what's at all. Nobody comes up the field. I mean, you're not physical. One one linebacker is trying to make every play, so that hurts the defense. I mean, it goes on and on. Yeah. Uh, hey, this is a, we got a, uh, a voicemail from Crystal. I want to play this one for you. So, Crystal, thanks for calling in, and here's uh, what she had to say. Hey, Ryan, this is Crystal from Marina Del Rey, class of 2005, proud season ticket holder since 2010. I just watched the Notre Dame game. I mean, I don't even know if we can call it a game because literally from the very play, we were out of it. I mean, I know that I'm one of the younger-ish Trojans, um, but still, 
this was the most painful game I think I've ever watched. My question for you or anyone else on the staff is, what do we need to do? Do we need to fire Helton? I mean, are we at this point? Maybe firing T. Martin? I mean, obviously, even if he's recruiting these guys, we're squandering their talent. Do we need to fire someone else? Do we need to just start, like, having auditions for random people to start walking on to improve the game? What do we need to do to turn the season around? Because tonight was absolutely embarrassing and just ridiculous. I mean, if we can't play on the national stage against Notre Dame, what are we even worth? <sighs> Frustrated. Fight on. Well, Crystal and Marie, uh, Marie, uh, Marie Del Rey, yeah, I want to say that you've more or less summarized, I think, all of our feelings. Um, and uh, being a season ticket holder for a few years, you've been able to be there and recognize probably the same things that uh, we see. And I'm glad to see someone like you so interested in the program that you have the pride of the program, that you're not happy with the direction of it, which I think is a major thing. And it bothers me when I have to talk like this. As you know, you said Coach Clay Helton is a good person, but he needs to surround himself with experienced staff. You can be a good person if you're a great football coach. Did you watch Brian Kelly last night work the sidelines? Yeah, the only thing he did was holler at somebody once in a while when they didn't do what was expected of them, catch a pass or something when it would hit them in the hands. But he allowed the offensive coordinator to run his part of it, the special teams coach, the defensive coordinator. He spoke with them. He told them game management, what he wanted, uh, how many downs you have, and so on, so on, so on, and what he saw. Uh, coach Helton, when I watch him coach, I'm not quite sure – if he's communicating with his coordinators or telling them what offense or defense to run, he seems to be moving a lot on the sidelines nervously, and I don't know if he has the confidence in what they're doing is correct. Okay? That's what I see. When I see players come off the sideline, I don't see them being coached up. Maybe they are, but I know Ty uh, the Helton and, and I know T. Martin are both in the press box, and I know that uh, Sam Donald comes off, stands by himself most of the time. Yeah, I don't know if anybody needs to put his arm around him or calm him down and show him that everything's cool, don't worry about it, and tuck, nobody does. So I think that's 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 not good. And and I look at the entire thing, and you know how I stick, what a stickler I am on little things. You hear me talking about it all the time, as far as, the way my team used to dress and how I used to tell them about their socks and their pads and their uniforms and so on. And I don't want to point this out, but I am. If you looked at the Notre Dame sideline, Notre Dame's jerseys were all the same. All the colors of their socks were the same, their shoes. The coaches were in all white shirts, every single coach with the same pants on. You could distinguish who they were on the sideline. You look at the SC sideline, I don't know whose old people are on the SC sideline. There's people right up there with the coaches I've never seen before. And the coaches are in every different type of uniform they want to be in. I mean, if I was a player, I wouldn't even be able to look at the sideline to know who's who. Because they're wearing the same shirt that the coaches are wearing, all these people. It comes to be little things, little disciplined things. And the players do their own thing. It's not a thing, your own thing. It's a team with a philosophy 
and the way you dress, the way you act, the way you play the game, the way you travel, the way you act, all of the above. And and I don't want to say this, but Notre Dame last night looked like a great college football team. I know most people out there don't want to hear me say that. But it's a good example of what USC should look at, that part of the game, and film and see how they represent their uniform as far as in in image, as far as the way they look and act and and dress and all the above. Uh, You know, I see it at practice. Ryan, I hate to say this, some guys have their jerseys up high. Some have cut-off jerseys. Some have black T-shirts on, red T-shirts on, white T-shirts on. I mean, all of that shows me individual. You're an individual, not a team player. And it starts with the little things, and I think that carries over a lot. And uh, maybe I I didn't answer your question. I'm sorry. But on the national scene, like you said, the national stage, it's all a part who you are, what you look like, and how you execute and communicate your message. And last night, their message was not a good message. No. Um, all right. Well, we've got a lot of emails left, so we'll try to get through them all. Percy Tillman says, could you give an honest assessment of the preparation for the Trojans uh, for games this season? Is it on the coaches to help train players on ball security, or is it on the players to have the football IQ to protect the ball? The Irish are a very good team but their first three scores were gifts due to USC turnovers. Exactly. You're never going to beat a, a good football team with, with turnovers. First, it brings the crowd back into the game. You get behind, hell, to get caught up with a great football team, it, it's, it's a very difficult thing to do. You can beat somebody that you're not good enough to come back, but that, that is, you know, you're beating yourself. You, you contributed to uh, a fumble and a punt, two fumbles uh, by the offense, uh, uh, can't score from the goal line, miss a field goal. They put those all together, and I don't know, what is that, 21 points, 28 points? Who knows? I think they scored on all the turnovers, three turnovers. I think they did. They did, yeah, touchdowns, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, how can you do that? You're 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 beating yourself. So if you continue doing that, you're not going to beat good teams. You're just not going to beat good teams. Now, do you teach them to fumble? No. Do you teach them... How to ball secure? Yes. You teach them all of the above, but you've got to be able to concentrate on your communication to execution. And when you come out there, you've got to be able to feel confident that you're prepared to know in different situations what's going on. And when you become confused and frustrated, then you make these mistakes. You try to force things. And this is what's happening. They're forcing things. Uh, your punt return guys really don't feel confident back there. I can see that. The one corner who injured his knee or whatever, I don't know what the injury is or what happened there, but uh, you got to want to play the game, okay? You don't want to come out of the game. You want to play the game. Uh, you got to want to get well for a Notre Dame game. How many guys missed that game? I mean, as the season goes along, you can't worry about, you know, in the old days, it was, we're going to play in that game. I guarantee I'm playing in that game. Not that these guys are are not, you know, if not injured. If they're injured, they're injured. But you got to be able to play and play hard and 
I don't know. I am just there's so many different things. Injuries, fumbles, this, that, turnovers, missed tackles, players playing that we question and we're questioning them. And I'm not around them all the time. Missed blocks, missed tackles, drop passes, interceptions. I mean, it's hard for me to say, hey, they're great at one thing. What are they great at? I mean, I don't know. Uh, offensively, series, uh, what are they trying to, what's their execution? What's their thing? How do they stop the the athletic quarterback? How do you stop certain things off tackle to the outside? Who has who? I don't know. So uh, I'd like to just be able to see that cleaned up, but I don't know if we'll see that. Um, and then, you know, he talked about the, the turnovers, and I want to make a little point here. I, I know we've got a lot of questions, but there's something I want to bring up, too, because I don't think we have questions on the special teams. Um, you know, I thought, for the most part, Jack Jones did a pretty good job on the punts. Now he fumbled that one inside the 10 or whatever, right. and that was obviously that was terrible. I mean, I am – I really think, Coach, that the special teams – it was, might have been the worst special teams performance, for, at least one that didn't give up any touchdowns, like like direct touchdowns. They, obviously, the, the punt did. It just seemed in every aspect there were special teams problems. And for you to be able to give guys out of high school scholarships, uh, multiple scholarships, having snappers, multiple kickers, punters, every year on scholarship, that's a resource demand. To, for you to, to spend that much time a, a larger percentage than normal on special teams at practice and have a full-time de- dedicated special teams coordinator, not only should the special teams not be they're, – they're at best below average, right? They, if you're spending all those resources on special teams, they should be very good, or at least good, or at least above average, and they're not that. It's a drain on this team, and you know, I thought Jack Jones or someone else should have been catching punts three weeks ago. Why do you make the change when you're on the road in a hostile environment on a windy day? You know, like that seems like the worst possible time. I like some of the things he did, but that just tells me he should have been doing this earlier. And, and maybe if he was catching him for the last couple of weeks, you're not going to see him fumble that one. So to me, coach, there was a lot of failings in this game, but for special teams, that's one of the ones that really stood out to me that maybe some people don't notice as much. No, you're exactly right. He ran back punts, I think, for a total of 40, uh, 48 yards. Uh, that's more than what they've been getting. And, uh, yes, uh, they pulled him and, and Harris went back in. Uh, you know, he's a young freshman player. And, uh, you know, he's gonna make mistakes. It's not all his fault. And, uh, yes, uh, you can't continually make these type of mistakes. You can't continually miss field goals. You can't continually, not that you've missed, that's the second one he's missed. But you've got to have more confidence in your special teams. And I don't have the confidence in the special teams as far as uh, I don't see a breakaway guy, except for Jones, at all that's the type of guy that can make plays. I mean, guy that uh, jumps out of the screen at you. I mean, really, uh, on special teams. Uh, I don't ever suspect that they're going to run a kickoff back for a touchdown or a punt back for a touchdown or or if they're covering their kickoffs, I always sweat it. Somebody's going to run a kickoff back, or their punt coverage. It's, it's. I agree with you. It's very questionable. Penalties, and all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's just. It's, it's just everything. It's not. It doesn't look like it's a well-coached special teams unit, and they should be with all the time they spent at having a dedicated coordinator. 
Right. Hey, let me let me ask you: Did, did uh, McKenzie plan his special teams? Uh, or not. Uh, the uh, big uh, offensive. Guard? No, no. They they I think they announced his name or something, but they they yeah. announced like they announced a penalty on number fifty four. And it was McKenzie or Katoa, and and those guys weren't playing, so I'm not really sure who. Yeah. I didn't see who that was. Yeah, right. I I didn't know who that was, and I was saying you got to be kidding me. Him on the field and burning a redshirt year for that, but I yeah. couldn't tell because obviously I was watching it on television. Yeah, I don't believe it was. I mean, that was we were talking about that in the press box, but I, I have to go back and look and see. Um, but yeah, well, that, that's just my little special teams rant. Sorry, uh, I get a lot of tweets no, about that's, that's all right. A, that's one of my uh, kind of pet peeves there. Um, all right, we'll keep trying to go through these. Sorry, I, I know there's a bunch, but um, uh, last year after Game Four, USC was showing signs of getting better. We are now at Game Eight, and USC looks the same as Week One. What's the difference? That's from Tarek. Well, that's what we're trying to figure out. Uh, they played one great game. Now, I call it a great game because they beat Stanford pretty handily, and they yeah. played pretty solidly. And they that was a great game. Down. Yeah. yeah, really. They did. Love made one run, but basically after that, I don't know how many yards, maybe 18, 20 yards the entire game. Now, I thought they played a complete game. They played with confidence, rhythm. Uh, they had a big win out of that, and I thought they had got, got over the hump. But since that game, they have not played a complete game at all. Uh, they've been playing halves, and finally they didn't play a half to help them bail themselves out of any type of... Uh, win to get this win at Notre Dame because obviously obviously they just wore that wore USC down. I mean it was just over with and they lost their confidence at the same time. Just to demonstrate one thing when I talk about the one back type of offense Fink goes in and when Fink goes in the game they always run him on the keeper. I, I don't understand that. I mean they won't run it any other time but when Fink's in there they'll run him and he makes yards. Okay great. But that's what the offense is set up to do, and if you're not going to run him and you don't have the athletic quarterback to run, then run the two-back set and don't ask Donald to do that. That's what gets me. It, it really gets me that I can't understand what they're trying to accomplish with this offense and, and those type of things. So, you know, I don't mean to jump around. I'm sorry. I apologize, but I probably feel like you do. It's hard to focus on one area when there's so many areas, you know? Yeah, I know, exactly. Well, that's, I mean, that's what's good. We got a lot of questions, so we can kind of touch on a lot of different things. Um, Nick and Cypress is next. He said, so I'm going to hit you guys with the, uh, I'm not going to hit you guys with the sky is falling. I'm going to jump off the Sears Tower, et cetera. Uh, I want to, it's not called the Sears Tower anymore, Nick, by the way. I forget what it's called, but everyone still calls it the Sears Tower here in Chicago. Uh, so I want to talk about the start of the game. Uh, we get a three and out deep in Irish territory. We get a good punt return in positive territory. And a bad snap. My question is, did Darnold fumble and how the refs figured he did when no one knew? I think that call turned the whole game for the worst. Uh, we would have lost regardless, probably, but the blowout wouldn't have gone down like that. Momentum was uh, taken away from us on that early bad call uh, and not by the great Pac-12 network. Your thoughts on the play and what might have been had it all not went down like this? Fight on. And he said, P.S., how many emergency podcasts will... USC have over under five. Um, I'm not sure, Nick. But yeah, that, I, I I thought it was a fumble. I couldn't really tell, like just from the replay we were seeing in the booth. Uh, but we, I was talking about that. Like, yes, I think Nick's right. USC would probably still lose. But having that three and out, and then if USC scores there, maybe it's not as bad, or maybe you know Notre Dame's not as high. They seem to capitalize on that turnover and just kind of steamroll from that point. 
You're exactly right, and you know, yeah, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't tell if he was down, or if the ball was pulled away from him, or whatever. Uh, so they say with the call they made, but it all started with a high snap. He had to sort of jump up and tip the ball, catch the ball. He didn't have his eyes on it when he tried to bring it in, and never had really control of it. And he was going down and probably didn't grasp it properly. But the officials obviously thought it was a fumble. And if they reviewed it, and I did, they did review it, uh, they didn't overrule it. And I think that really did start the onslaught of it. And you, if you notice the way Notre Dame's first plays were on that drive to score, unbelievable. I just loved it. The first play was a keeper with Wimbush. So he stretched the defense to the right. Made a big game. Then the next time they came back with the counter, they stretched the back to hold the backside way outside, and he made a nice gain. And then they went to the play-action pass and hit St. Brown right over the middle, and it was a touchdown. Three plays. Bam, bam, bam. But they did everything they wanted to do as far as making the defense loosen up and cover the whole field. Immediately, they covered the whole field. Uh, they didn't rush, uh, run uh, Adams at all on that drive. But everybody was playing Adams, so they just went with the quarterback. They just started with it to loosen you up, came with the counter back to backside, kept that uh, part of the field uh, uh, worrying, and then hit the pass, play action pass for a touchdown. That's how quick it is, and that's how easy it can be as long as you know what you're trying to attempt and what your series are when you go on the field. So, uh, yeah, I, I really agree with you. I think that was the start of the the, the whole thing, and uh, – then they came back later on and hit. Uh, uh, they had a man coverage going, and uh, uh, I forget what it was. No safety. I, I, I don't remember, but it was unbelievable. The uh, Paul's got a question. He said there are a lot of issues with this team. Understatement of the year, but it appears that a disturbing theme is accountability or lack thereof. Accountability is also driven through the culture that leaders establish. Leaders hold themselves accountable through the good and the bad times. And looking at the sidelines and listening to coaches during press conferences, I don't get a sense that anyone is taking responsibility. Cam Smith is the most candid during interviews and should and should be because he's a captain, but that's about it. Fans don't have full-time access to players and coaches behind closed doors or at practice, but you do. Uh, have anyone else uh, have anything else to add that shows coaches are holding players accountable and captains slash veterans holding each other accountable? If not, this team will never be able to play to its potential. Uh, thanks from Paul. And I'll, I'll give a real quick thought, Coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like maybe what they're saying behind closed doors is one thing, but what they're telling us, it just doesn't sound like there's an understanding of what the problems are. And, you know, like I go back to Dan Weber's column. It's like that. It just doesn't seem like this team realizes that not tackling in practice for reasons that they feel are valid or, you know, not wanting to get hurt and things like that but that's not being physical. Like if you need to be physical, I think I was watching Bob Davey coach Friday night coach. Um, at, it was New Mexico and uh, Colorado state, Bob a Davey's team. I believe it was Bob Davey's team. It, it could have been Colorado state, but I think it was Bob Davey saying this, that he felt the team wasn't physical. They know their numbers aren't where they need to be. But what he did was practice two days in full pads with lots of hitting and tackling. And then even then they're off the, the day with half pads, they still hit and were physical. So he went back and said, I know we, we you know, it's hard because we're not in a situation where uh, we have a lot of bodies, but they practice even more physical. So you can do it. And I think something like that is one of the aspects that we're just not seeing 
the coaches take responsibility. They're not changing what they're doing. And, you know, losing this game, I'm not sure they're going to change much because it's not a conference game. It's going to take, like, losing to Arizona State, for me, my opinion, Coach, for them to actually make some kind of uh, significant changes. What do you think? Well, uh, what was it, three or four weeks ago, I gave you a, a typical week of practice for my uh, teams. Uh, I don't know. I even told you what I did is on Thursdays, we scrimmaged goal line. Uh, we went ones against ones where it all met, mattered. We had a chance. You know, you either won or we lost. Uh, they either stopped us or we scored. And uh, we were playing UNLV against UNLV to see who could win and challenge and, and get in the goal line or stop them. And, hell, I, I, I closed my eyes. I told you this once before, if you're a regular listener. I used to close my eyes, and after every play, I'd look around like, ooh, okay. But I knew it was the best thing for the team. I knew it. And I knew that we had to go live pass rush and give the look of what happens in the real game and making the reads and being able to step up in the cup and all of that, not blow a whistle or let you have all day to throw the ball. You can't do that and play. You got to practice football, and you can't just be. Uh, I'm worried about you getting hurt, or you got a hangnail. Well, don't tell me about that. Just play. And you know, uh, you know, we gave a lot of purple hearts out, guys that really uh, wanted to sell out and play the game of football. And we were very careful that players didn't play hurt. Because they wanted to play, and and uh, we coached at a more aggressive uh, philosophy. And what I mean by that, the offensive coach and the defensive coach had a war every day. Okay, and you could hear them uh, at the other end of the field. I made sure their drills were way on the way where nobody could hear some of the words they used. Okay, <laughs> and I'm not telling you they abused the players. The players loved it. Later, they've come back and said, I love that coach. That coach, he made my life. They love that part of discipline. They love when you go back and you think of Marv Goo and these guys. The guys that played for Marv Goo, they loved him. You don't think he grabbed face masks? You don't think he told them what he thought of them? Ask any of them that played for him, okay? But they love him. Say something bad about him and you got a mad guy. So I don't see that out there. I see a different type of philosophy, and you can't play in big-time football with that type of philosophy. And you've got to be afraid of your head coach. You can re- Kindness isn't weakness. You've got to say, oh, here he comes. Oh, God, should I turn the corner or whatever? You don't know if he's going to hug you. You don't know if he's going to swear at you. You don't know if he's going to walk by you and give you a message. I don't see that. And I think that's a big part of the way the team plays. And I'm telling you again, Clay Helton is one of my favorites. But you've got to have a voice or two on the field that players respond to. And I don't see that. Yeah. We got a text from uh, Robert, uh, Robert from Downey, class of 2000. I said, Coach Hyde, I'm not sure we have come to this point yet. But at what point does the staff realize that Darnold may be a liability and might just have to be replaced? Also, I refuse to believe that this is a we have a great game plan, but the players are just completely screwing it up issue. I know you're a class act and you don't like throwing anyone under the bus, but at what point, as a head coach, do you tell your assistants that your plan isn't working 
and you need to shape up or ship out. Thanks for all the hard work of the Peristyle crew, uh, Robert from Downey. And just so people know, uh, Clay Hilton, I asked him a question at the press conference yesterday, and for the first time he told us that Sam Darnold was injured. So he had hurt his ankle in the Washington State game and kind of been working through that. So that was an undisclosed injury and until, for whatever reason, when I asked him last night, Coach, he told he said that. Well, his performance last night or during the last, since the Washington State game has nothing to do with his ankle, okay? I mean, that don't start telling me he's hurt. That's why the team's playing that way. I mean... Don't get me wrong, I love Sam Darnold, and they'd never ask him to play her, but at least he has the ability to play with a little pain, okay, if he does have it. Uh, as far as Sam Darnold's concerned, no, I wouldn't make a change of quarterback. I'd try to help him with what we're doing on offense. Try to help him make it a little easier, especially if he's got a hurt, hurt ankle, then you can't expect him to run, move around as much. So that's of course what have I kept saying about a two back type of offense to replace the outside and spread the defense a little bit more and do some things that keep people away from the middle of the line and stop your running game. So yes, uh there's a time when when I have to remind my head my assistant coaches that I'm the head coach, okay? And I never do that in public. I'll do that in a room, I'll do it one on one, or I'll do it in a group if the group needs it. And I'll just flat tell them, I've told you before some of the stories that I've done in coaching. And I think you have to do that. I think you have to keep your staff in limbo. They have to know that when you look at them a certain way, they get the message. Or when they see you coming, they get the message. And they get the message with a different face when it's a good message, and they get the message when it's a bad message. And you can't be afraid to do that. Because they have to perform for you. Because you're the guy that's responsible as a head football coach. Because I'm not going to lose my job. It's a great job because you can't do what you're supposed to do. And if you can't do what you're supposed to do, I'll get somebody else to do it. And you've got to be able to do that. Now, that all comes from the beginning of the responsibility of the head coach in selecting the right and correct offensive coordinators. But sometimes you do make a mistake. And if you do make a mistake, it's your responsibility to correct it immediately or as soon as you can. Because if you know football, you're supposed to know all portions of the game of football as a head football coach. Then you've got to know you're not doing what you should be doing. And you've got to be able to hold people responsible. I've told you before this on the show, every week I would call my offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator in and whatever. And I would say, all right, what's our plan this week? Tell me, I don't like that. I don't want to do that. I don't like the way you're stopping them. Let's do this or do that. Figure it out because we're not doing that. And I always coached a portion of the game. As a head coach, you say, well, what did you coach? I co coached kickoff return, and I coached PAT and field goal because I wanted people to know I can coach. And when I coached these positions, these guys didn't stand around and bullshit, excuse my language. They watched their positions to make sure that every single portion of the special teams were being coached. Not one guy, everybody, to show the importance of what that is. As far as the offensive side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball doesn't have to be there, or whatever. 
to make sure everybody understood what the blocking schemes were, how we did this, what we had to do. Because you got to let the kids know you know football too, and you got you can't be afraid to raise your voice. Man, oh man, I tell you what, you could. There's times you don't want to hear what I said, but I said it, and that's the way I felt, and I think they respond better to that. Um, SoCal Trojans in Trojan six one nine was a similar thing. He wants to bench Darnold and see Matt Fink in there. Uh, you got to see him at the end a little bit, but that's kind of uh, I think a little crazy at this point. Some questions. Tarek wants to know if if Clay Hilton's on the hot seat and Steven San Diego. Um, he said, wouldn't you say it's an honor and you should have tremendous pride being able to coach at USC? The coaching staff should be canned. I'll say it because I know you won't. They are blessed and lucky to have the opportunity to coach at USC, to coach these work-class uh, athletes. Um, they should be ashamed of themselves for letting uh, the kids in the school down, not being prepared to play for this game. He said, Coach Hyde, if you were AD, uh, what would you do to help the ridiculous coaching staff up? Uh, how would you coach these coaches up? Fight on, count on athletic director Lynn Swan to do the right thing. Steven San Diego. So Steve doesn't think Clay Hilton's on the hot seat. He thinks he should be fired. But what do, what do you think about what they're talking about with the coaching talk? Well, I think it indicates to me and everybody out there what people think of the USC football program when you're 6-2 and two in first place in the Pac-12 South that people are thinking about firing the football coach uh, because of uh, uh, not the players or the scores, but the way the team is playing. I think that's the whole question mark there. And, is Lynn Swan happy? Hell no. I know he's not happy. Has he put pressure on Coach uh, Helton? Knowing Lynn Swan, I would think he's had private meetings with Coach Helton. I think he suggested certain things. What, I don't know. But uh, I think there's a lot more pressure on him today. I really do. Uh, as far as what is ex- expected, you heard him say, you know, our goal here is to win a national championship, Lynn Swan. But first of all, we got to win the Pac-12. I really think it's important to Coach Elton that he wins the rest of his four games. I really do. Can they do that? I don't know. I have a question. I don't know if they can because teams really feel as though they can beat USC now. I know Arizona State does down there in the desert at 745 at night. And Arizona now is playing better. Colorado, I don't know what they're doing. They got shut out. And, of course, UCLA, that's a one-game season. So uh, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure Clay Helton has a lot of pressure on him. I can see it in his face. Because I see him sometimes it looks as though, uh, like, I don't know what to do or what, I, what to say. Now, that's a terrible thing to say about a man. But... Uh, to be the same all the time, uh, that's sort of fishy. You can't be the same all the time when you're playing terrible and you know when you're playing good and you're not willing to say how bad you're really playing. I think Mike Leach of Washington State sort of explains it pretty clearly on the way sometimes his team play or sometimes the way they coach. And uh, I think when you mis- you mislead people and people start to think you don't know what you're doing when you don't tell them factual thoughts of really what, what is going on. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, we got a few more, and we'll let you go. Uh, I know there's a lot of outrage and stuff. Percy had another question. He said, at this point in the season, playoffs are not attainable. Would it be wise to get some young guys on the field like Jay Tufele, um, defensive tackle? Cleon actually said only a couple of injuries would get him on the field. Uh, Levi Jones, linebacker, I really think he should be playing more. He's great on special teams. Bubba Bolden, same sort of thing. I think he's good on special teams. And Jamel Cook, um, who didn't even make the trip. I have no idea what's going on with Jamel Cook. He said, to get them ready for games now, then other than wait for more injuries, this may help them going into next season as well. Percy. Wow. I didn't know he didn't make the trick, Cook. You know, he's cr- tremendous talent. Uh, Levi Jones, I don't know. I've been talking about him since they signed him. <laughs> you have. You have. I, I have, and no one no one seems to know anything about it, but I and you, Ryan, or whoever, is tremendous talent. And I said, uh, right now he should be playing on the edge, jumping off. The, he, he's fast. He's quick. He loves the game of football. He's aggressive. He's nasty. He's angry. He's a defensive football player, and he can't get on the field. Uh, if you're going to play him inside, I'd put him a weak side linebacker right now and say, start playing. I, I mean, I'm not going to waste a whole year of eligibility on him just covering kickoffs or punts. I get him to play. He's bigger, he's strong, he's got to develop. And you say, should I start be playing young players? I would probably start playing young players who are equal to players that are older that aren't playing any better. If I'm around next year, I wouldn't save anything. I would certainly get my players on the feeling. Boland's a, a player. He put a hit on a punt or kickoff the other day. It was uh, or block. I can't remember what it was. That I had to look up to make sure that he was the right guy, and that he hadn't played it on anything. So yeah, I would. You know, there's a lot of players I've been talking about. Where are they? Why aren't they playing? So uh, I would do that. I would. I would get my offensive lineman in there. The guys of the future. Uh, of the offensive line, and I'd take him down in the sled, and we'd go one-on-one, we'd go three-on-three, we'd get off the football. If you watch Notre Dame, they did a lot of man blocking. They matched up. They ran right at the, the weak side linebacker, big man on small guys, and just dominated it. I watched him one time drive, please, for Houston. You can look it on the film so you know who I'm talking about. Completely down the field, five yards, and then put him on his back and laid on it, probably smothered him to death. I mean, these were physical big guys that got after you. They were big, as, uh, what was it, uh, Keith Jackson used to say, big nasties. That's exactly what they played like on both sides of the football. And I don't think USC was ready for that. But you got to get your big nasties in there and you got to make them nasty. On both sides of the football, someone's got to let them know this is not a knitting class. Yeah, it is not. Um, speaking of big nasties, Drew in West L.A., he said the biggest problem for this Trojan team this year is the offensive line. Unfortunately, we lost three of the most physical offensive linemen and have not found any suitable replacements even before Vianney went down. They have not looked physical and have given Sam almost no time to feel comfortable. Just look at the body language of the first snap, seven yards rushing in the first half. Their weakness has really led to a drop in confidence all the way around the team, including the defense, especially without Gustin, their most physical player on D. Donald has tried his best, but is under duress every play. Coach Hyde has mentioned the lack of physicality in previous podcasts, and I fully agree. It does not seem like the problem will get fixed anytime soon. Alabama and Clemson recruit many massive 
physical lineman every year, and USC is lucky to get one. Not having a fullback makes the problem even worse. My question is how the staff go about addressing this problem. Drew in West L.A. Well, I think they got to get realistic and see the same things we're seeing. And, of course, we're just uh, talking in general. We're not in the tapes. I don't have a tape to look at or so on. I just see what everybody else sees on TV, but uh, I don't see that aggressiveness. I don't see that uh, hostile attitude that's necessary uh, to be a Division One college football player and and uh get that extra hit in there. I used to say finish the block. Finish the block. Don't let him go. Just finish the block. Take him down the field until he loses his balance and stay on him. And uh, I don't see that type of uh, thing. I, I And the offensive line and pass blocking, uh, you know, you've got to get in the correct position. And, and you've got to be able to not give ground. You, you can't get driven back. Uh, you've got to always stay in position, keep them away from your body, do the things that are necessary to do a great job. And you only get that by doing it full speed all the time with a guy next to you. And, well, you know, and get to know the different charges that people do and when to pick up somebody and all the different things. You can't do it by just walkthroughs all the time. And you don't get nasty by not being nasty or going against nasty people. So uh, it, it's just a part of training a gladiator, okay? I used to tell my, my, my people, you know, you train them to be gladiators, and they are. Can you imagine guys 300 pounds running full speed down the field, head into each other? But they got to like to do that. How many people like to do that? I used to say, wasn't that great? What a great thing. What a great opportunity to be able to do this. And some guys would look at you and say, this guy's nuts. And I go, he, he's not going to be on that team. But, or that phase of the game. But you got to want to, you got to get the right guys that feel that way to play. With the personalities, is he an offensive or defensive player? Is, whoa, what is he? And, and there's some guys like that, and there's some guys you can't put into them. So, you know, I think this is what you got to find out. And I, I think USC's got to do this, and then I obviously know what you're doing. All right, uh, two more. Well, let's go. Paul, Sam Marino said, love the show, listen to it every week. Uh, how important is winning games as far as attracting four- and five-star recruits? In my observations, top recruits seem to gravitate towards winning programs only unless they're not ac- academically eligible for that particular college. It seems like Alabama always gets the most four- and five-star recruits because of their winning record. Um, I'll give you a real quick thought. I mean, every prospect is different. Sometimes when you tank, and you don't have any depth in the player, and you're doing terrible, people want to go there because they, a recruit might want to go there because they feel like they can make a huge difference. Other players are, are like you said, they want to go on the best team you know, possible, and if the team's struggling, it might not be all that attractive. But w- what are your thoughts on that, Coach? Well, I think it's always inviting when you have a popular program and you're winning. Yeah. Uh, and then again, you know, sometimes you run guys off when you have too many players. Or those guys I never worried about. Well, I, I, you already got three defensive ends. I'll go play somewhere else because they were afraid of the competition. I don't worry about guys who are play, uh, afraid of the competition. I want guys that want to practice big every day. That way you get bigger, better every day. You know, guys that the only way you get better is practice against a good guy every day and go full speed. That's how you become a better football player. 
You know, if you run and hide because you, you got too many players, then that guy's not going to beat you. So, and and you know what puzzles me is you get all the top players. Uh, you got I don't know ten or twelve defensive backs that are on scholarship, and you can't find a corner. You can't find a corner to play the left corner that teams aren't going to pick on. I mean, that that to me, I say, how can that be? How can you not have a player that can't play that? And then one of the top players, I thought, doesn't even make the trip, as you just told me, Ryan. Yeah. We don't know what's going uh, on with Jamel Cook. I'm not sure. Something's weird going on there. Something, something's not right. Or somebody, I don't know. And then you got a coach or a player that says he's not going to play anymore. He's retiring. He's going to be a coach, and he makes the trip. No, I, I, I don't understand that. Here's a guy that won't play anymore, and he's on the sideline coaching or whatever he's doing. You got a line coach, and they, uh, your players you leave at home. I don't know. I just can't figure a lot of this out. Okay. Yeah. Either can we? That's what. But we're trying to talk it out. Um, okay. One last one, and then we'll let you go. Thanks for coming a little longer, Coach uh, John K. Said Ryan, I just enjoyed another great podcast with Coach Harvey Hyde and yourself. I wanted to comment about the, the question regarding whether or not USC should have a pop-up medical tent. As a sports medicine physician myself, uh, I, I think it's a great idea to have it for the following reasons. One, the athletes give you their attention better when they're in the tent. They're not distracted by the game or the crowd. Two, the tent drowns out a little bit of noise from the crowd and the band making the exam easier. Three, it gives the athlete extra privacy, especially if the athlete wants to go to the next level. He does not need scouts assuming a potential career-ending injury from false observations. And four, yes, Coach Hyde, we are, quote-unquote, hiding something. I don't want the opposing coaching staff knowing what's going on with my kids. Uh, I let a kid back in because he wanted to play so bad. I feel like it's okay to play. It, I, I felt like, I'm sorry, I felt he was okay to play. Well, the first play, he was back in a corner. He got toasted for a 60-yard TD pass. He did not return after that. I'm still pissed off. 20 years later that I got burnt with my decision to let him play, I know that the opposing coaching staff was spying on my sideline evaluation. I hope my insight from a different point of view is helpful. Uh, maybe you can save this for Coach Hyde next week. Thanks uh, again for all you guys do, John K. Dr. John, thank you, John. Hey, I agree with you convinced me, okay? Yeah. It's just that we didn't have those tents when I coached, okay? <laughs> now I know why, Now I know why, and it makes sense you have those uh little tented areas, but you said, first of all, you're, I agree with you. You can't hear, you can't evaluate properly or diagnose a kid, and you know what you need to do to make the determination if a kid's hurt or not. So if, doctor, you think it's right, that's your area. I'm not a doctor, so I agree with you 100%. I'll endorse it. All Thank right. you for telling me, and if you were my team doctor, I'd say, do it, doc, buy this guy a tent. <laughs> nice. All right. Thanks, Dr. John. And uh, thank you, Coach. Hopefully, maybe we, you know, talk some people off the ledge, the jumping off the Sears Tower, as uh, as Nick pointed out during the show. But uh, great stuff, great insights, and uh, we'll see. I'll get back from Chicago. We'll see where the team goes from here. Another tough one coming up. You got to go on the road and play a really hot Arizona State team that's been lights out on defense and scoring points with an athletic quarterback. Not the kind of recipe that seems to bode well for what USC is right now. Well, I'm not saying that they can't do it. They can beat Arizona State. But they got to change a lot of things. Uh, one, uh, what they're doing, a second attitude, communication, execution, 
not beat yourself. They can go down there and have a big victory. They can, and they should. So now can they do it? Otherwise, we'll be having another podcast like this next Sunday. And I don't like doing these type of podcasts. And I and I would tell the team the same way as I don't like having those type of performances. So they can do it. It's just that they got to regroup. They can save the season. Ten and two is not bad. Hey, I mean, sure you want to go twelve and zero, but right now ten and two and possible Pac twelve championship game is something that is realistic, and they can do it if they put their mind to it. Coaching staff, players, everything. Yeah, agree, hundred percent, coach. All right, well that's the coach, Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy. Thanks again to. Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com, for their sponsorship of the show. And hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm going to be, just a little cleanup, I'm going to be traveling back to Los Angeles. We'll have Dan Weber on. I might do a solo one. You guys have sent in a lot of rants on voicemail, so I might do kind of a emergency podcast, maybe while I'm in the airport waiting for my flight or something on the way back uh, from Chicago. But, um, Coach, thanks again for coming on and spending some time and, and breaking all breaking everything that went wrong down. You're welcome. And for all of you out there, just out there, put a Band-Aid on it. Try to stop the bleeding. Go to work tomorrow. Go to the country club. Try to get back into it, but you got about four or five days to get ready for another big game down in Tempe, and you'll feel a lot better when the when the Trojans win that football game. Or right. at least make a great attempt to play yes. their best. All right. That's Coach Harry Hyde. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks again for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.